This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, they match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch anytime, no additional charge. So, celebrate the progress that you've already made by visiting betterhelp.com slash yanks today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. Dot com slash yanks. Today is April 14th. There's no Yankees baseball. There's no sports of any kind, but there is Ryan Rucco. He joined us and we're going to talk some yanks. And Ryan Rucco. And Ryan Rucco. Welcome to Talking Yanks. My name is John Boy. I'm coming to you from my apartment in Manhattan. And I have co host and best good friend Jake coming to you from his apartment in Manhattan. BBD, producer BBD is with us. And it's another rainy, dreary day of quarantine, Jake. Corn bean. Corn beans. Yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's still happening. The quarantine. But if you don't like quarantine, listen to our conversation with Ryan Rucco because he's, he's awesome. He is the best, and we had a really long conversation, so we're going to make the intro uh, probably pretty short. Probably pretty short. We just like talked that. about basically just a catch-up section. Talked a lot about R2C2, a tiny bit about the Yankees, mostly about life. A lot of life. Good a lot stuff. Of life. BBD, if you could sum it up in one word, you would use the word? One word. One word. Lovely. Wow. Huge. Good All word. right. Let's Lovely. just throw it straight to that. Do you have to do Patreons or anything? Patreons. Um, we could do them. But I don't know if I have it up yet. And you know what, dude? The, the, the email I use for Patreon, it always signs me out of it. It's really pissing okay. me off. So I, I don't know if I can do it. I just wish I didn't bring it up at this point. Me, me too. Because we have Erica Block. Shout out. She wrote an article about us. She's a big yeah. old Yankee fan. Joseph Randazzo. Randazzo. Uh, we might have done these, but still, run it no, back. No, Randazzo it did both Patreons, and I asked oh, you to wow. say his Paisan name Thanks with proof. Randazzo. And Gary Laspiza. And there may be more, Librarian. but they're not. But those guys, they sponsored. Erica, Joseph, and Gary, they sponsored this interview with Ruko. And they were happy to do Here it. We Here we go. Back to back, <laughs> belly to belly. We are joined by Andrew Eugene Pettit, Stan Ryan Ruko. <laughs> Rooks, how you doing, man? That's the first time I have ever been introduced that way, and I have to say it's my favorite introduction ever because <laughs> it combines like my the two the biggest fan of as a kid and and remain huge fans of. Eminem, because you used the Stan reference, yep. and Andy Pettit, because my favorite athlete wow. of all time. 
Yeah, wow. I don't, Jake. Did you even realize the Eminem route? Oh, no, I- <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. I I almost went Marty Glickman because I remember we did that the first yeah. time and we were so nervous and Ruko was like proud and we were like, yes, nailed it. And then I thought I thought about doing like three time appearance, like I was doing like your your all star introduction or something like that. But I, I figured you can never go wrong with Andrew Eugene, as you well know. Well, and next time you can go with four-time appearance because every time you're on Talking Yanks, it does feel sort of like being a member of an all-star team. So wow. I, I, I will I will say this time the intro was perfect, and next time you already have a perfect one ready and teed up. This is your yeah. first time without hair and as a yeah, married man? Yeah, how about that? As a married man? Well, not engaged yeah. still. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But my fiance loves it. She's like, she she's like, I never ever want you to grow out your hair again. And and just kind of started because, um, you know, we're we're here and I can't get a haircut. And I was like, um, and you know, I have like different follicle challenges anyway. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let me just see what this like, what this looks like. And I kind of went like like buzz cut, but not like totally buzz and i was like oh i like this and like oh my life's easier and then she was like i think you should see what it looks like even shorter so i was like f it let me just like go for it and then the feedback from friends and family and most importantly andrea has been we love it you have a beautiful shaped head so i'm like all right cool i'll go with it and it just it feels nice to do this all day yeah that's risky because you know i think my head's probably got some weird bumps back here or something like that (laughs) but you know what dude you don't really have to like. I look at your hair. I, you're gonna have that forever, you know. Like it's thick, but it's got a nice. It's hat. real. It's real gray. Yeah, but gray's all right. Like that plays. I, yeah, gray, gray, gray plays, Jake. You're right. Like I, when I when I grow out my scruff a little bit, I get excited seeing the gray in there. Ooh, like okay. it's it, it's a sexy look, man. I got a whole patch I, um, on my chin. Yeah, see, that's a good thing. That's that's a that's a positive thing. Nothing wrong with gray. And, and you know what? The good thing is too, in both of your situations, like you got options, right? You you, you both have <laughs> options. Like if you if you wanted to, you could, and it would be back very shortly. You know, uh, so you could always check it out. Me, it, on a scale of options of like zero to ten, I have about a zero to three scale I can work with. Um, and so I, I, I found sort of a happy place within that scale. So do you yeah, think man, this that's... is a, a new lifestyle move? My uncle, he started yeah. shaving his head youngish and, uh, he's like, never looked back. It's like Bic, mm-hmm. every, you know, nonstop. I, I think it is, ma'am. I think it is. I, um, I haven't gone yet with like the, the razor razor. Okay. I've been doing it with, um, like no guard on the, um, uh, whatever. Like it's it's like a clipper, but it actually yeah is, yeah yeah yeah. yeah I know but what you're it's even about. like this one's like a. I've been using a beard and sideburn one because it gets a little tighter. Um. So and then I'll do like slightly longer on top. But I so I haven't gone full razor yet. But I that's probably the next step. And yeah, there's no way I will ever like have anything other than some iteration of what's going on now. I, I just immediately seen like well, first of all, like I said, like. As Paul Neal would say, hey, if mama likes it, that's most important. So, you know, my fiance likes it. Or Paul would say mama for his his lovely wife, Neville. 
Like that's so there's no need to go another direction. But m- more importantly, it's like, or or equally as important, it's like, oh my gosh, life is just so much easier this yeah. way. Yeah, so, le- one less thing you got to worry about every morning. Yeah, exactly, that's, man. That's what all the millionaires do. That's why they all wear the same outfit every single day, and they never change. And you know, it's a hoodie or it's a black shirt. It's just a de- decision that, fatigue. That's the big. Um, isn't that uh? What, uh, um, who does that? Uh, fa- well, Facebook founder does that. Yeah, Zuckerberg. Um, uh, Zuckerberg does Steve that. Steve Jobs yeah, wore the same thing every day. A lot, a lot of really, because it's decision fatigue. The more decisions you have to make, the more you get tired of making decisions. So the millionaire's thing is like, make as little as you possibly can until you get to your office. So that's why a lot of You them- know what I think about this though? I, I, I do think sometimes about this and I think, did they say this before they were rolling in dough? You know, because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it, like it, it's a great philosophy and I do think there's some merit to it. But did you have it before your wallet made you permanently cute? You know, like, mm-hmm. or did you, were you bold enough to make this decision before? Some of them I think before, but some of them I think probably, you know, it's like, well, yeah, you can wear a t-shirt and sweatpants every day when you're worth $15 billion. Like, you know what? It, it, it's, it's, it's somebody's going to still uh, think that's adorable look on you. you know? Yeah. I, I yeah. think Steve Jobs had a bunch of weird ones. I think he only ate fruit and he smelled absolutely terrible, but no one could tell him that. And he was like, oh, it's because I eat a fruit only diet. He had a lot of really weird things and it's probably because he was a millionaire first and then he didn't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you your options get expanded when you have uh, when you, when you already when you have the dough. I didn't yeah. know the fruit thing though. I'm gonna have to read. I haven't read the Jobs uh, biography, so maybe that's what. It, maybe it's in there or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was an odd guy. I've gone the Adam Sandler, CC Sabathia route, where I am just committed to basketball shorts and and hoodies or sweatpants and hoodies. I'm not getting dressed up for anything anymore. Now that zero, this is my, yeah, this is my full time job. I'm committed to it. Like we went to winter meetings and I was just pants and a hoodie. I hate dressing up. What winter meetings two ago, I wore a suit to try and impress everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jake, what do you think? Is this the right move from Jimmy? It is. It is. I mean, I, I think there's going to, you got to find your thing. I, I think it's, it's kind of the signature. Um, John boy, he wants to go full Adam Sandler. He's, he's there. And I think it's, you know, you're, you're already new comfort level with the ball thing. It's the play. I'm, uh, I, I like throwing on just, just the sports coat and it, you know, it tightens me okay. up in the middle, tightens me up in the middle a little bit. Um, you know, still where it's like, you know, a, a little formal, a little not, um, but you know, if I have, I think I need to do it. Cause if I don't like, I'll just never get taken seriously. Um, <laughs> and so, which, which by the way, we asked, we asked, I, I asked Jack Curry, we, we had him on at winter meetings and I asked like one of my few serious questions. I was like, Jack, you are so good at being serious and delivering like your statements and those cutaways and everything he does. Like Jack Curry is the professional of professionals. And so I asked him and I was like, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like, what can I do? And he kind of in a Jack Curry nice way, he was like, you know, you're kind of good at your thing. <laughs> it's like, all right, Jack, I got it. I, I will stay out of here. Oh, that's funny. Him, Curry and Ronaldo both have that going on, you know? Yeah. They both have the ability to like very professional 
basically information, you know, like there's just like there's a peaceful way about them. There's this, it's always blows my mind when you're watching a game and I, even when you're in studio, you know, when it goes to Bob or Jack in the studio and you guys just nail that like five sentence update in 20 seconds and then it goes out. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did they do that so perfectly? I just stutter and stammer until I end. But those are like, I always get like, whoa, that was crazy. (laughs) I don't think people realize how hard that is to actually just do that in one shot. Yeah, the, the, um, I'm going to, for whatever reason, I'm just letting you guys know, it broke up a second in the middle of what you were just saying, Jimmy. So, but I'm saying, were you talking about delivering like, uh, those on cameras when you're talking about something serious? Yeah. When it just cuts to you and then you deliver it for 10, 15 seconds, it's like three sentences and then it cuts away. And I like, like I, that it makes it seem very easy. That's hard to do to not stutter or stammer and just get your point across and you guys all do it impressively. But I was saying, I don't think people realize it's hard to do that. You know, what's funny is you're right about like, that's one of the differences between TV and radio is, you know, when you're on radio, first of all, there's like sort of a, a casual connectivity that allows you to be less perfect with your wording. And it almost feels more appropriate then. You are right. Like you're not accounting for anything else but your words. Whereas on TV, what I just did, second, right? And I do that on camera. Like all of a sudden, it's like alarming to the audience, right? If it's on radio, it's 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 no at all. And so when you're actually, or if I'm on TV and I'm talking, I'm just doing play by play, like doesn't matter if I take that weird pause or, you know, I, I have sort of like a syllable slip in somewhere it's not supposed to. But if I'm on camera at the moment it happens, it's like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? Is he OK? You know, like, so, yeah, you want when you're on camera doing something, you want to, like, really try and uh, be pristine with your words. Yeah, it's more like a play. Like, you got to hit every beat and get out of there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. Well, you were, you were on, and I texted you this because you always find your way into viral moments. Like I know you're do I know you're everywhere all the time, Rooks, but you're doing, you're doing yeah. boxing and basketball and NBA and WNBA and, and Yankees, but you found yourself into some awesome moments when you're on mic and the, it wasn't awesome. a weird word, but when they canceled that game and Mark Cuban finds out that clip went viral and it's your voice. And I'm like, he did it again. He's there again. <laughs> but so you had a whole different perspective of, of that situation. I mean, that had to be wild. Yeah, it, dude, it was, um, you know, it's wild to think about it being uh, more than a month ago now. You know, um, I, I was texting with Doris Burke, who I did the game with that night uh, two days ago. And I said, could you believe it has been a month since we did that game. And she's like, it's so wild. And I think that the interesting things are, um, the interesting thing is like the month has felt like three years, but the days have gone fast. It's a, it's a weird juxtaposition, right? Because it's not like, I, I don't know about you guys, but even without having my normal you know, routine or flow of content the way I would usually do, these days are still going fast. Like I'll look up all of a sudden, I'm like, dang, it's four o'clock. Like what, you know, it's not like 
I'm sitting here like, why am I, you know what I mean? Like I have stuff to do. The days are moving, but yet the, just like the way things have shifted and the way the news constantly changes and, and, you know, just the spectrum of what we're dealing with has made it feel like a lifetime ago. Um, but that night was definitely the most memorable of my career. I know usually memorable has a positive connotation. In this case, I mean it sort of in the way you meant awesome, Jimmy. It's it's just like, you know, very uh, unique. You know, it was it was the most unique night of my career. And I um, I mean, it, it was it was the most emotional night I've ever had on air as well for Doris and me both. Um, Tom as well. But I think Doris and I are more inclined to cry at any moment. Um, so we, we both are just kind of built like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, sort of like going into that game. There was this eerie feeling of waiting for something big to pop. And I knew we were moving towards a significant change, but, and I, and I, I knew it was going to come at some point soon, but you didn't know exactly how it would happen. And it happened in you know a shocking and uh, you know disorienting way, and we just happened to be on the air when it did. What was your what was what was your buildup, and then like what was your afterwards? Did you head straight home and knowing that that's home for the long haul, or did you think like oh this might just be a couple weeks and hang out wherever you were, or you know how did how did you handle it? And and the crew, I no, guess. that's. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I actually, I was more on the, like, uh, preparing for the apocalypse train early. And so I even, um, yeah, man, I just, I had been following it closely um, because of uh, Andrea and I had a scheduled wedding in Italy for June of this year. Um, and so when I saw what was happening there, we were, or I especially was like really honing in on it and following day to day. And I just kind of knew, I was like, well, this is clearly going to happen here and it, this is the way it's going to happen. And, um, and so I was kind of, you know, I was monitoring it. And, and as I was traveling, I was getting frustrated. And I was like, even t- talking to my family, I was like, this is dumb. We're late. We're late on this. Like this is about to be a huge problem here. And so I was waiting for it to happen in the midst of that. I had like, ordered a ton of paper towels, ton of toilet paper, like all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so I knew when that happened, I was like, I, I need to get home immediately because I knew it was uh, not going to be something casual or short term. And I had action nets the uh, night before I did that game. I had done the nets beating the Lakers in LA. I'd been with them in LA Monday and Tuesday. And I had left a bag in L.A. because I was going Wednesday morning to do the Dallas-Denver game. And then I was flying back to L.A. Thursday because I was going to be doing Nets Clippers on Friday there. I was rejoining the Nets on their road trip. And so I rather than travel everything to Dallas, you know, I left a bag in, in L.A. And I immediately, as, as uh, literally during the game, after the season being suspended news broke while we were on the air i texted my boy aaron bergman shout out to aaron he's a big yankee fan who lives in la and he was like and i said hey man i left my bag at uh the hotel would you be able to go get it 
at some point because I I'm not going back to LA, and it, and then I texted our travel uh, person um, uh, who does travel for us with uh, Disney, and I said, hey, can you get me on a flight in the morning, you know, back to New York from Dallas because at that point I just said Dallas to LA, so I knew I was going home for good then. And something weird I was even thinking about at that time, guys, like. I wasn't normally I take like the first flight out or I would have red eyed into Dallas from L.A. the night before. I would have then taken like this 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. flight the next morning back to New York. But I was already thinking about this in a way of like it being present in here that I was like, I don't want uh, to compromise my immune system in any way that's that I can, you know, affect, you know, so I didn't take the red eye Tuesday night. Because I didn't want to have my sleep all messed up. Instead, I went at 7 a.m. from L.A. to Dallas. I didn't take the 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. flight from Dallas back to New York. I, I took the 9.30 a.m. Because I knew it was still early enough I'd get out. But I didn't want to get no, no sleep and then be flying. Like, system like that. So I was kind of like really dove deep in this early. And then immediately was like, all right, it's time to activate and get home. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's It's crazy to think about the NBA NBA pulls the plug and then, you know, those following days, you know, the, the golf tournament that weekend, they, they played their opening round and then they canceled and and then spring training canceled itself. And it's, you start thinking about if NBA waited another 24 hours to pull the plug and that kind of ripple effect. And it's, I mean, it's scary stuff at this point. Yeah. Um, are, you are, know what, are Jake, you, let me, Oh, sorry. Please? Go ahead, man. No, you're good. Well, I was just going to say, man, that is, uh, that just leads me to something that has, blown my mind when i see people saying like oh you know they reported this amount of deaths and it's only this like you know why are we shouldn't be have been making such a big deal of it i'm like no 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 no, you idiots like (laughs) don't you understand like the reason these numbers which have still been horrifying and and painful have not been quite as bad is because of those measures that are being taken because people are listening and they're quarantining and they're self-isolating and they're social distancing. If not, those numbers would hit those absolutely, you know, dizzying and um, really, uh, I mean, truly astonishing projections. So that is to, to just kind of your point, Jake, about like being a day late or whatever. It's like, you have to be ahead of these things. And if you do the right things, you don't end up seeing that damage because you did the right things. But if you wait, you do. There's those number. Those people are also just honing in on the death numbers and not the affected and like the hospital numbers. And like, you know, it's like counting just the dead and not the wounded. And there's a lot of people that are affected and getting sick. It's just a common flu. It's like the common flu doesn't pack hospitals to an unreasonable amount every single year. So, yeah. Yeah. You got to be you got to be early uh, with it, no doubt. So I'm glad the NBA took the swift action they did, because I think it kind of jolted our country towards the action we needed to take. I'm sorry. Something. Oh, and, and you're good. And it, uh, it, we're, we're still there is, um, I, I was going to ask, are you going through, uh, uh, how do I want to phrase this? You're in, you're engaged and you are quarantined. Are, are you going through a testful engagement? Do you think this is, <laughs> uh, are, are you being put through the ringer or how, how, how are you guys doing with it? And Hey, you guys are cruising through or what? Yeah, no, man. It, you want to come answer, honey? Come here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> see, I'll see if I can get her over. Um, 
she 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 says she says no no uh, she, she has she has a she has a call so her work she works in finance and her work is very much as is right now Cruising, honestly yeah. saving grace during this um i love love so i would give you a romantic sappy answer probably no matter what yes. but even yes. even the 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 facts are that the the beauty of this time has been the time we've gotten to spend together and you know we both um have challenging schedules at times uh you know not to the point that it's like we don't see each other or something like that like we're very uh very much diligent about making sure we make time for each other even amidst when we're in bad travel patches but but you know it's rare for me to get i i've not been in my apartment for a month straight i don't know in seven, eight years. I have no idea, you know? So like yeah. to get this kind of schedule has been totally unique. And honestly, for us, like our relationship has been the biggest blessing of it because, you know, it's like I get to hang out with my best friend all day. You know, we, we found a way to, uh, you know, try employment amidst the difficult time. And, and I actually, you know, as someone who I'm 33, Andrea and I have uh, been engaged for a year and a half. Um, dated for a year before that, like, you know, I was, the, but I had, I had no serious girlfriend from the time I was 21 till I was 30, you know? And so I was like single guy in, in my family or whatever, you know, with gatherings with my cousins and all that. I was like, I was always like, no, it's just Ryan. It's just, there's not someone else who Ryan brings, like, it's just <laughs> Ryan, which was fine. But I will say, I know what that life is like. And I am very grateful that I have someone yeah. during this time in particular, because I think I would be, uh, yeah. you know, be feeling the effects even more if I didn't. Yeah. I was just saying, uh, cause I'm, I'm with my girlfriend, Jake's with his as well, but we're doing fine. Yeah. People keep asking yeah. us like, Hey, how are you holding up? I'm like, we're having a blast over here. <laughs> Yo, bro. Exactly. Like me, Andrea and I, don't we Andrea that we, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear her yelling, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, but uh, like people were always like when we were going to move in together, they're like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's a different level. You know, you're thinking. And I'm like, and we had essentially kind of lived together anyway, you know, but we love it. Like I, 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 I've loved it. She's loved it. Like it's like, yeah, I mean, I, of course, like there are different things that can be daunting about, I guess, any huge life change, no matter what it pertains to. Right. But like. People always try and make their experiences yours, you know, um, and uh, and it may not be. So I'm here to say I love living with my fiance. I think it's fantastic and it's been a blessing. So I'm glad to hear you say, Jimmy, when people ask, like, oh, has it been bad? And you're like, no, it's been great. It's been awesome. Yeah. We woke up at uh, like Saturday. Katie and I woke up at 10. We watched two episodes of a show that took us to noon in bed. We made pancakes, bacon, and breakfast for ourselves, and then we stayed on the couch and we finished the entire show. And that took us till four, and we were like, "Holy smokes, that was a really nice day." We the next day we went for a walk and did a lot of stuff. But yeah, I was like, oh, "I'm fine." I, I I worked from home. Like when CC says he loves this, like watching shows all day and just hanging out. I'm like, "Yep." Although we did just get an office and it was supposed to be a very exciting time <laughs> for baseball and for the company. But other than that, it's great. Yeah, but the office plans, um, they'll be back at some point. At some yeah, point. Yeah, you know? just yeah. Paid, just paid rent today, so we'll be back. 
<laughs> oh, good. Hey, hey, that's uh, being able to pay rent is a blessing right now. Yeah, it's crazy. There you go. There you go. And I, I knew that was going to be your answer, Ryan. So that was a little set up and, you know, she could hear it in the background. So you're good. Um, and, I appreciate you, Jake. Very hey, slick. No problem. My and always. I get it. I'm in tight quarters and I can imagine being trapped. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little Yanks. Huh? I, I know it's yeah. kind of one of these weird things to do at this point, but uh what uh, I was gonna say, where were you at with this season? But that's too heavy. Who was uh? I'll I'll, I'll start with the Jakey question. Who was someone that you were, you were into this season? Like you were, if, if someone cut away from the mic or the camera and they were like, you'd be like, yo, I I think Luke Voigt's gonna hit thirty five this year, or, or I could see Mike Talkman playing hundred fifty and and having a five war. Who was whose kind of train did you did you hitch onto? That's a really good question. Um, who was I feeling like that about? You know, I was feeling that way a little bit with John Carlos Stanton. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously the injury thing derailed that a little bit, but I was feeling like he was going to have a huge bounce back. Um, and is this, are you able to edit if I just hold on one second? It's my doorbell. Yeah, ringing yeah of course. Bring them in. Oh, no. Oh, oh, they were? Okay. Sorry. Okay. I'll go back to answering the question. Sorry. You're good. Sorry, David. <laughs> that gives you a weird edit. Uh, <laughs> but so uh, I was feeling like Stanton uh, because, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit. And I think people don't understand sometimes just how deeply he cares and just how hard he works. And, um, you know, that's not to say those things are always going to necessitate success. Uh, but uh, anybody who thinks like this is a dude who, you know, was happy with how last season went. Oh, no, 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 no. Like he wants to be on the field desperately and he works his tail off and prepares his ass off. I mean, and you even saw it like, I think in fairness to him in the, it was a ridiculously limited sample size, but in that sample size we saw in 2019, Stanton's quality of at bats, I think, were noticeably better than what we saw in 2018. And even if you look at uh, his at bats in the playoffs, I felt that way as well, where he was laboring through it, you know, with with what he was still dealing with with his knee. Um, and and so and I think we we saw that when he was healthy. Um, and and we've always heard that like as he gets to know pitchers better, as he gets to know a league better, that's where he has, um, you know, his greatest success. And that was something Aaron Boone has talked to me about a variety of times when I, I've asked him about kind of his free swing approach and the way he leaves the zone. And Aaron would say, like, I, I'm telling you, like, yeah, he may have a little more of that than some of the guys on the team, but you will see a significant difference in that quality of a bat because of the way he studies and when he gets to know these pitchers and – I thought we were seeing that last year, small sample size where he was healthy. So I was really looking forward to him having a huge year. Um, and who knows, you know, Corona, no Corona, if that would or will happen, because obviously he was dealing with other injuries in spring. But he's a guy who I still think, um, like I know a lot of people, I think kind of have unfairly closed the book on him and, and what he can be as a contributor here. And, and I haven't. I, I still believe he can be – uh, a big piece of you know the Yankees being successful. What, what we liked last year 
was how happy he seemed when he finally got yeah. back before he got hurt, uh, dive into third. Like he hit a home run. He was just the most smiley person I've seen. And he was so closed off with all the injuries while rehabbing. And I remember that press conference when finally a reporter said, so what happened? And he said, okay, well, and he just listed, I did this and then this happened. And he was so open. He's like, but I'm good now. And then it lasted like three days because yeah. he got hurt again. But uh, that's, yeah. what, that's what Jake and I noticed. is like, well, dude, this dude's really happy to be back. Like, and yeah. He and again, he, so. you, you know, you also know, like, does a guy fit in um, with a group or not? And uh, in 2017, a, a culture was established, right? Um, and there was sort of a personality to the group. And you heard a lot of people saying, like, this is the best clubhouse we've had in a while, right? Um, and so there was already some definition to the, to the group and its personality when Stan came in. And immediately, I had people who are leaders in that clubhouse, CC included, saying, oh, man, Stan fits in perfectly. Like, we love his personality in here. He fits in with the group so great. And they don't always, you know, and, and, and there are people who will tell me when they don't. So I know, I know when they're being honest and they were being honest about John Carlo and he does, he does fit in well with the group. So, you know, I do hope he gets a chance to prove himself and to stay healthy um, and contribute because I think it's something he desperately wants. And I do think uh, that he has a personality that mixes well with the group in there. Yeah. It's it's a really bizarre thing that, like like you said, the way a lot of Yankee fans view Stanton. I mean, he in in theory he's got this kind of great New York personality. Like he's he's got like a little silly quirk to him, and a, like he'll send it back a little to the reporters if he needs to. Yeah. Um. And yet, <laughs> yet we put up this wall because he's a guy who signed a giant contract that we would all sign instantly. Um, and <laughs> not a lot of us are worth, I'm not, can, can, but, uh, can I, can I throw out an interesting, like, it's, it's just like sort of a weird paradox I've noticed when it comes to, uh, the New York fan. All right. Sure. So, sort of to your point, Jay, like, so <clears throat> Yankee fans are incredibly demanding of the team, right? Like we see that that comes with the success. Um, I think it's part of what makes, uh, you know, players love playing here is because of the accountability they're held to um, by the fans, you know, and you'll hear them say that. And I do think they mean that because, like, it just feels good to know people care, you know. Yeah. Uh, but they're really demanding. And it's like if the Yankees are whatever, eight games up in the AL East and they make, you know, and they don't make a move of the deadline, it's like, how did you not add someone like this? You're not going to win the World Series. Yeah. I know you're not going to whatever. Right. There is like. I'm not saying every Yankee fan is like that, right? Like there's like a noticeable vocal presence to that sort of mindset. And yet take the Knicks. Now the Knicks could not have had a worse two decade run than they've had. Right. And yet don't test them. You, don't test if, them on that. Cause they could right. try. But if you, if you criticize their two decade run and you say like, you know, hey, like Kevin Knox, that wasn't the right pick. I'm not saying he was or wasn't, but I'm just saying that as an example. Or, you know, it's like the, the team gets defended to the hill by by the Nick fan. And it's like, you know, what? how dare you say that about Frank Neely? If the team is going to be a championship team, of course. You know, I mean, and it's just interesting to me because a lot of those people 
are the same people. The, the Nick fan and the <laughs> yeah. Yankee fan are the same exact person. The one who is incredibly demanding of a Yankee team that, you know, will overlook a lot of the successful things to demand more, but is the same person who is then incredibly forgiving of misstep after misstep from the Knicks and will defend them despite not actually having the intel that, say, the Yankees do for those for that positive column. And it always blows my mind. I, to me, it's got to be some sort of psychological phenomenon that could be explained by someone much smarter than me because a lot of times it's the same person having a totally contradictory argument just based on the different teams. You know, they say that people who speak multiple languages um, have different personalities in each language. That's mm. kind of what it's like for sports fans. I mean, Red Sox fans and Patriots fans, that's like blue collar fandom and white collar fandom, same person. They just, yeah. go, they just, you're go. right. You're right. <laughs> like one is like all uppity and like, we're the best. And the other is like, Oh, we're a bunch of idiots. We're scrappy. And it's like, you're same person. <laughs> you're right. There's something, maybe, maybe the language thing actually describes the fandom thing. It probably does. It probably does, but it always it always amazes me because I'm like, wow, this is the same dude who just like yelled at, you know, this person for criticizing the Knicks offseason. And yet he's also yelling at this person for lauding the Yankees at the deadline. It's like it, it it's it's a weird, weird juxtaposition, but it's probably, you know, the same as knowing Spanish and, you know, Arabic. Yeah. Two different things. We always land here. We always end up on the same conversation. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, R2C2 uh, with you. All right, cool. Because it's been three years now. I believe both these show, Talking Yanks and you guys both started in 2017, right? Yeah. High five, guys. Yeah. I think around the same time. Um, but is it, you guys have changed, um, I don't know, networks once or twice. Uh, yep. You've had a lot of guests. You do uh, multiple versions of interviews, and you've had a lot of people. Is R two C two today what you hoped it would be when you started it? I think it is. Yeah, like I mean, I um, I think maybe the one way it isn't is uh, or or it's different is um, I think we probably envisioned having uh a more even split as far as our interviews go within the sports world and outside of the sports world. Um, and we have been, as you guys know, heavily based in the sports world. Um, but you know, we, we dip outside of it occasionally. And that honestly, I, I don't look at it as a bad thing um, that we've ended up this way because I think what we found out is like, we have a unique platform for people within sports to honestly show their personalities, you know, um, and tell stories that they otherwise don't either have the time or the comfort to tell. Um, and so, but our, you know, general uh, motivation behind this was wanting to create a platform for interesting conversation that you were only going to get here in long form uh, without turning into any sort of, you know, gotcha uh, type platform or, uh, turning mountain, uh, you know, making mountains out of molehills or, you know, being controversial or critical of uh, of athletes. Like, that's just not what we were, you know, what we wanted to do. And I think what's been good is we've been able to really avoid that um, and 
you know, kind of establish a place where players know uh, now, like, oh, I can go there and like, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to have a good conversation. And, um, and, you know, they're probably going to be more comfortable to talk honestly than they are in most places. So when uh, when CC officially retires, I know he, he was flirting about coming back at the bullpen thing, uh, hanging yeah. through. Would uh, did that? Did you get any like fist pump from that? In in regards to the podcast, like things will be easier now. We can do this that we weren't planning on doing, or is there any hesitation? Like, oh no, now now he's not in the clubhouse. Maybe now it's not as Yankees focused. Was there any kind of just mindset that changed with his retirement? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I I feel like. Um, there's definitely for the vast majority of athletes, they will tell you and people who help them plan their post playing careers will tell you, you're never more relevant than when you're on the field, right? Like, so the 25th man on the Yankees active roster may be more relevant to the audience at that moment than some you know, former five-time all-star, right? Like just because he's on the active roster at that moment, you know, um, we see it in the NFL too. It's like, oh, this guy's just a special teamer. Yeah, but he's the special teamer on a 10-win team. And in this city, they love that team. And so they love this guy, right? Like, but, you know, when he retires, will they? Probably not unless he had a huge role in the championship. Like, so there is that thought. However, where I think CC transcends it and where we are only aided by it, is like CC has such an established and big personality, as you guys know, um, and he has so much clout and respect cross sports um, and still in that clubhouse. Plus, he is remaining as a part of the organization as a special assistant to Cashman, um, and that is a very real role for him. So he still has relevance with today's team, but he also, he, he connects with all athletes because he has, he's done it all, right? He's won a Cy Young. He's won a world series. Um, he's, you know, going to go to the hall of fame. He, he has like this presence of like, yeah, I'm just going to say what I want to say. Like, I don't really care. Like sometimes even I, I think about things and I'm like, you know, he'll put something up on his like personal Instagram. Like, Hey man, like, doesn't this dude like have someone who follows you or whatever? I don't care. Like, you know, like he, you know, he just like, he is who he is, you know, and he's very, very comfortable with that. And I think it's what makes a podcast great and what makes people comfortable come on. But it also is what gives it staying power beyond him playing, right? Because he has that kind of personality. And so really it's just been positive because his availability has increased. Um, and uh, now it's going to be me who has the more challenging travel schedule although that was, you know, sort of upended, obviously, with what's going on right now. But, um, but yeah, it just becomes, like, really easy to find times to record, which is awesome because that was the greatest challenge for us. And to CeCe's credit, he still made it happen always, you know? Yeah. We, I can't – you guys, I'm sure, have seen this in different ways as well. I can't tell you how many athletes I've seen who wanted to start something like this, who start it, and who dip out immediately or who have no consistency – to their contributions because it's not their priority, you know, and, and nor should it be. CC while playing still made it a priority, which was incredible and great for us. Foothold, but now he can put even more time and it's just less challenging for us to find time. Does CC is he a connection to your, your guests ever? Uh, as in like asking them to come on. And then the reason I ask is because Trevor Plouffe is officially part of John Boy Media yeah. now. 
And uh, when and Ploof's been getting friends to come on, and he kind of learns the hard way that you can ask someone to come on, and they they they'll say yes, but it's not always that they show up when they say they're going to show up. And Trev was like, this is bullshit. Like, why do players do this? And we're like, Hey man, like, don't get mad at them. But that's what happens a lot. You ask a guy, they say yes in the moment. Then the day comes. So I was wondering if CC has ever been like, what the hell? Like I told, I thought this guy was coming on. Cause I could see him getting upset about that. You know, what's funny is like, I think C has ghosted so many people in his life. Oh yeah. That he that- gets, he probably respects he would, it. Yeah, he would never like. Yeah, he would never like crush someone for not coming on. Um, but uh, he, but I, have I told you guys the Star Wars story when we went to the premiere when we were go- supposed to be going to Last Jedi together? I don't think so. No. Okay, so I'll tell you this just to give you an idea of CC ghosting. Um, so, like, we had uh, Michael Strahan had hooked us up with tickets or Michael Strand's assistant had hooked us up with tickets to the friends and family showing of Last Jedi in New York uh, when it was coming out a couple of years ago. And C and I were pumped up because it was like on a Monday or Tuesday. It was, you know, all, you know, five days before the release or four days before the release. And so we're going and um, I'm like texting, like, oh, I'll meet you at the theater. We're, yeah, yeah, whatever. So we get to um, the day and he's like, oh, yeah, what time is it? Like, yeah, yeah. It's this time. Okay, cool. Yeah. I get to the theater and I'm like, hey, man, um, you know, there's kind of a line to get in, whatever. Uh, you got to, like, give your cell phone. Um, I'll, I'm online right now, so you can just dive in with me when you get here. No answer. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm getting towards the front of the line. Are you almost here? No answer. Okay. Um, then I, I, I'm, like, at the line. I get my tickets. I, um, I see a text from him. He's like, Oh man, uh, I'm at I'm at a uh, little C's game right now. Uh, might be tough for me to make it in time. <laughs> I'm like, the movie starts in like 15 minutes, okay? And I'm like, might be tough for you to make it in time. So I'm like, C, you, you're definitely you're in New Jersey right now. Like you're definitely not making it in time. Like, <laughs> you're not even coming. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not, you're not making it time. He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, dude. Next time, how about just tell me if you're not going to come? Like, just just let me know. He's like, oh, I got to be honest with you, man. We're going to be friends a long time. This shit's going to happen again. <laughs> I was just like, like, he just like is oddly unapologetic yeah. about ghosting anybody. He, he done it to Derek Jeter where he said he was going to play in his charity tournament golf. Jeter's texting him. C's doesn't answer, doesn't answer. Day comes. He's already sold a foursome. C just doesn't show up. He's not there. Like, because he was afraid to, like, have a confrontation. Now he had a clinic the same day. Like, so he just goes to, he goes to Jeter. If he can ghost Jeter, he can ghost anybody. Yeah. So to, yeah. to your point, though, I don't think he actually would get mad at any guest who ghosted us. However, he is good about helping facilitate uh, getting guests on. And I see it maybe even more so now where he has more time to allocate to this, where he'll text us and he'll be like, hey man, this dude wants to come on. Let's get him on, you know? So like this week, we're actually recording with AJ Burnett, which I think will be awesome. Um, and I just feel like we, none of us have really heard from AJ in a while. And AJ is like a interesting dude who, when he's mad, he's scary, but he's also like sarcastic and funny. 
Um, but like, I, I think he's going to be great. But this was one of those where like C texts us and he's like, hey, AJ wants to come on. Let's do AJ. So like then we facilitate through him. So he does it. But we I don't know if we've had a scenario yet where someone has told him like, yeah, I'll come on. And then they don't. Maybe there's been one or two, but I think like C's just like, oh yeah, it's okay, like, because like I would do the same thing, you know? Yeah, makes Man. sense. Phil, Phil Hughes and Burnett, you guys are burning through burning through some of the old Yankee well, stats, huh? We're we're, we're going oh nine hard, you know? Maybe <laughs> maybe the the week after will be Java. Who knows? Oh, there right. you go. Love, love talking. Yeah. Love to talk to Java and, and ask him honestly. Like, you were ten years too early. If he was 10 years later, they wouldn't have messed around with the bullpenning and the starting and the crazy job rules. He wouldn't have gotten in trouble for fist pumping after strikeouts and being excited. Like he yeah. was almost the guinea pig for a lot of stuff in like a changing time in Yankees baseball and baseball in general. And I think he got the short end of that. Uh, so good, I, it's I'd a, love that. It's a good that. point about like kind of that moment in time and how rare it was, right? Like um, he... Uh, the fist bumping, it always drove me crazy how people got mad over that. Like, as a fan, I was so jacked up whenever he would have two strikes and two outs on a batter. Like, I was just waiting for him to go nuts, and it would fire me up, you know? Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember the, the Yankees had a series against Boston late in that season when they were making their wild card push uh, at the stadium, and the headline was go nuts. Uh, and it was Jabba fist pumping um, after a strikeout. And there was like a squirrel uh, in the like little two box of the cover because there was some squirrel who was like sitting on the foul pole or terrorizing the field oh, consistently yeah. throughout the game. And then Jabba also going nuts with the fist pump. And the Yankees like, they, they, I don't know if they won, they either like won a two out of three in the series or they, Swept the series or whatever, but it was big in propelling them to uh, to getting the wild card that year. Yeah, Jabba Mania was awesome. Like that first year when yeah. he came out, Jabba, Jabba. It's the best chantable name. It was so cool. It and then, awesome. and then, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear him look back on on that time because it was that year where they were like, "All right, you're going to start, but only for three innings." Like they were basically doing bulk opener with yeah. him, and uh, should just kept him in the pen. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because, like, at the time, I defended it um, because, you know, I saw the the value in starters, especially at that time, right? And, like, we were seeing how nasty he could be as a starter. Like, you know, we all think back to that game at Fenway, right, where he outduels uh, Beckett. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're thinking, like, oh, all right, this is, you know, th that was an 08. This, this is what this can look like, right? Um but, you know, now with the value of relievers, um, you know, I, I'd i be curious how they would have done it. I Like, I still feel like they might have tried to still, since he was a starter, like they may have still tried to finagle it. But there's just so much more intel now about how to go about that process. It took them four years to realize they probably just keep Sess in the bullpen. So <laughs> <laughs> they still Ooh. they still try to hey. do it. <laughs> hey, Sess, hey. isn't it funny? Sess a played a sneaky big role last year. He had a he? good year. Yeah. For for, for so his solid. role. For his role, yeah. it's great. It's crazy. So solid Ooh. for his role. So we um, so we heard we, Oh, Jake, you got something? Yeah, I was I was I was going to say just uh, tidying up R2C2. What's your 
what's your ep if like someone asks you or, or someone hears about it that you're you're like go check this one out like maybe it's a guy who surprised you or because you know you you guys have interviewed a lot of big names i mean deandre jordan mookie Betts. you're you're covering everything but is it, did mm-hmm. maybe one sneak up on you because i know we on our talking baseball podcast we did jason kendall the other day and i'm i'm gonna be talking about that for a while because we all we, we all walked away like we almost got punched in the mouth and it was exciting and it was scary and we all had questions prepared and none of them got asked, but it was it, it was awesome. I, I guess I'm asking who's in R2C2, if someone's asking you the ones that jump out, who are they? I think unexpectedly someone who's been unbelievable um, both times he's been on now is Sonny Gray. Like mm-hmm. Sonny, the first time we had Sonny on, I was just blown away with how good he was. Um, and, uh, the stories he told, like, it was just, he was incredible. Um, and we had Sonny on with Trevor Bauer, uh, in, uh, from Arizona. And that actually, I think maybe you guys even did some with, uh, one of the YouTube clips of it. I'm not sure, but like it, like the YouTube views are super high for what we're used to. We don't, you know, it's not quite as big as what you guys are used to in your <laughs> world, but like we, it, it really, it got a lot of traction. That's one that I just think showcased um, when the pod is at its best because it's just you're seeing like some really interesting, honest conversation uh, with total comfort um, from people who are credible, who've had success in this league, who've been through some trials and tribulations, uh, and have really interesting personalities. And so that would be one I would send people to. Albert Pujols last year, like I was shocked at how good Pujols was just because a lot of times a huge star you think is like just sort of uh, they've been worn down by getting interviewed over the years, you know, and it's like, but, you know, that's where CeCe is so huge. Um, And Albert at the end of it said, this is the most fun I've had all year, which was probably (laughs) a commentary on the season the Angels had, but it was also, you know, very like complimentary. And so like the Pujols one is one. I would go back to and uh, and definitely listen. One of my favorites always, and she's a really close friend, but when we have Sue Bird on, Sue is just, she's so cool and has such a great personality and she's smart, has great perspective. Um, those ones I feel like are ones that I always enjoy Dee and Hicks together because you got a real feel for the way they rag on each other. That's kind of mm. like a brotherly, uh, you know, insight. But I feel like if I if there was one, the only... Even like um, Machado is a good one too to go back to, like because I don't think people realize like oh he has this kind of personality to him you know. Uh, yeah. So as you're most- naming these, I'm remembering like the the thing I took from that episode you know. Yeah, like yeah, Machado yeah. talking about he was making fun of the way Hardy played defense, but also respecting it at the same time. He's like, yes. yeah, he looks funny, yeah. but he does it every single time. Pujols talking about his path to the bigs was crazy. There's like, I mean, it's really good. I, I Whenever you have Jefferson on, I think it's a really fun conversation. Yeah. Oh, he's hilarious, man. He's, he is hilarious. There's, it is, it's interesting. Like the things you take away from certain episodes, like Britain's excellent. You know, he, he is, I mean, he, him telling um, last year, telling the story of how he got his Jersey number. Um, and uh, the old, uh, clubhouse manager for the Orioles, like basically yeah. um, 
telling him like, you better be happy with that Jersey. Like you're not getting a different one. Like after Buck Showalter <laughs> said, Hey, if you guys want to like change a Jersey or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, yeah, man, guys tell good stories. I think like, it, it, you know, I'm naming a bunch of different ones because they all, I, I think about them all. I'm like, man, that was like, Oh, I love that. Um, like even the first time we had a rod on, like he was, he was awesome. Um, but the Pujols one was particularly interesting to me because he, what you said, Jimmy, like he told such interesting stories about his ascent that I had no idea about, like, and yeah. the people he gravitated to, um, and, uh, you know, what he was able to learn from them and like hearing like specific conversations he had with legends and how that shaped his mentality and like really detail oriented, uh, telling of the story like he pools was one i go back to and say like oh the only thing about pools that i that's a shame is i wasn't in the bronx that day so i was doing it from connecticut mm -hmm. and c and albert were together which you know in some ways might have even for this made it better because like there was such like i always think the show's at its best when i can tee something up but it's just really kind of c and the uh and then the athlete or the guest like being able to go back and forth and there was a lot of that that day. So I wish I was there in person for it, but the content was great. The uh, Reggie Jackson episode, I had no idea that Reggie Jackson was that involved with the Yankees still. Like he was telling yeah. stories about CC being exhausted after a road game in, in Cleveland or something like that. And I was like, Chicago, what? I think it was. Yeah. Why is Reggie there? Why yeah. is he traveling with the team <laughs> to away games? I had no idea he does that. That's a good point, man. It's it it's interesting how, you know, because guys for a lot of reasons, and you see this on your platform too. Either one, they just haven't had the vessel to share certain things, right? Or or two, they haven't had the comfort. And so when you combine the two where it's like, yeah, you know, we don't have a clock on this. And like, yeah, you know, you're talking to CC, like, um, it's it's amazing the stuff that ends up coming out. Like even Man, like I should say, Aaron Boone has been one of my absolute favorite guests, and Mike Harkey, and we had him on together recently. They're just the stories they tell, and like some of the stuff that come, like even the most recent one with Harkey ratting out Boone basically for sitting on the back of the bus drinking wine with yeah. Nevin, Nevin watching <laughs> The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, like hilarious stuff that you just like wouldn't know or um. Like, you know what Harky said uh, when he when he said that D Rob had no idea how to pitch. I was like, "What?" Yes. He's yes. like, "Yeah." He's like, "That yes. that guy has no idea how to pitch. He just always throws the wrong pitch, but that's why it works." I was like, "What?" Exactly. It, it, it was hilarious. He's like, "And I would never tell him to change it now." Like you know, even he was telling some stories about like yeah, because he was saying D Rob was like one of the worst listeners or, or whatever of guys in the bullpen. Like he was so honest about it. They're like, "Who's the?" You know who listens who doesn't like you know just going through that and oh he he was he's great with that too i mean because i think you know what's fun for us is like we all who consume this stuff on a daily basis we know a certain level of things but there's some stuff you just can't know unless people are willing to share it you know and these guys some really fun stuff that's not harmful to anybody but that's so interesting yeah, it's really good for us. We we did a bunch of Twitter questions and and someone asked, you know, what's something you take from each other's shows? 
and I won't make you lie about what you take from talking Yanks, but you guys do interviews so well that it made me not want to do interviews until we could do them in that way. Like I like talking with a guy who you don't have a rapport with and they don't realize that, Hey, we just want to be chummy. And they try mm. to treat us like we are uh, the real, like the actual beat reporters, yeah. you know, who they have to be guarded. Like yeah. we, I didn't want to do that at all. So we're getting to the point now where we had Ottavino on and we had Void on and, and they were, they were very like open. And we asked some questions like Ottavino was incredibly open, but I think yeah. lis- listening to you guys made me like, that's how it should be. It should just be a conversation. And I was like, let's hold off until we get to the point where we can do that because I appreciate I yeah, appreciate right. that, man. I mean, it, well, it's like it, it's almost um, it's like when you listen to Howard Stern and his interviews, you know, like like that's I feel like the goal for all of us that will never reach because he's just that much better. But, you know, like if you want to see if, if you want to just look at baseline, what's the who's the interviewer who most consistently gets the most interesting things out of their guests that you don't hear anywhere else? It's him, you know, and it and it's because he kind of has this like honest, total comfort. Plus, he has the respect instantly of the person who comes on based on what he's accomplished in his career. Um, and it's like, you know, when you can get those things in place uh, where you really listen to to what they have to say um, and you make it conversational, you can get great stuff out of people. You know, I mean, just listening to Tom Brady with him with Stern the other day like you know I haven't finished the interview yet but like Tom's you know talking with a level of you know candor and even looseness with his language that he doesn't do anywhere else and it just creates this feeling of like oh I'm really getting to know this guy you know and so like that's what you want you know we want to create a like situation where you're listening and you're like oh yeah I'm really getting to know this guy like this is cool and Cece being the respected dude who has the clout that he is gives us a chance at like, you know, trying to, you know, you know, get somewhere in the vicinity of that aspiration. Yeah. Now, someone we talked to said they think CC still might try and make a comeback and pitch out of the, the bullpen. And their reasoning was, why do you have the surgery? if he doesn't <laughs> plan on pitching ever again. Well, I do believe that he would have probably given it a try if um, he hadn't blown out his shoulder at the end of last year. And if Amber had allowed it. Um, but at this point, no shot. His shoulder is still so messed up. It's crazy. Like, he, I don't know if he's going to need another operation. It is like, it's, it is so messed up still. And um, he's like, he was joking the other day about throwing with his son in the backyard. And he's like, he needs a cutoff man. Like, because <laughs> he's like, I can't long toss, you know? So I think, you know, the, you know, the phrase like leave it all out on the field. He actually left it all out on the field. And oh yeah. I don't I don't think there's any reattaching it at this point. That was nuts. Do you yeah, was- do you do you in any way during this uh quarantine and no sports to talk about at all, have you been like, damn, I wish I was still doing a radio show with Stephen A. Smith so we could just debate about nothing every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I will say this is a period of time where I would have been cool being on the air every day. Like I would, I would have been, I would have been down with that. Like, because there's some sort of like comfort and familiarity with connecting with an audience every day. And it gives you an escape from this, but it also gives you this feeling of community 
that you could be lacking right now uh, just due to the way we're all isolated. So I I think it it's like... Michael, well, you talk actually, about I, making mountains out of molehills. I mean, there's yeah, you have no choice there's right now. nothing right now. Jake was joking well, like, Jake was joking, okay, every radio station is going to do the Pete Rose debate <laughs> at least yeah. one day. Yeah, it's true. It's true, man. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Michael was telling me the other day, though, because I was like, how are you coming up with the content or whatever? And he was like, you know, thank God I have Peter and Don. But he said, you know, it's interesting because those four hours really have been sort of like a siloed An escape. distraction for me from everything going on. And I do see that and feel that, um, you know, I, I I know for me, like there I did enjoy being on the air those days of like big news like I was on when the news happened that Jeter was going to retire I happened to be hosting alone that day um and I loved getting to just like you know be someone to communicate that to people and put my perspective on it and same thing happened the day he played his final game at Yankee Stadium I happened to be on the air alone that day like I love getting to do that so I like I could see finding enjoyment in kind of sort of like that role um but man it would be tough content wise Oh, to come up with stuff every day right now. Brutal. Can yeah. You, I'm 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 a I'm a sports sports nut. It's it's all I've had. I talking to the right guy. What's have you had your like low sports moment of quarantine? I, I think mine was I think before WrestleMania they were showing Brock Lesnar wrestle in college and I watched that and I was like, What am I doing? Um <laughs> so have have you caught yourself watching like what what has been the thing on tv or something you caught yourself doing that you were just like i gotta i, I gotta refresh i gotta i gotta reset the engine you know i um i've been enjoying watching some of the old yankee games that we've been showing on yes and so it was funny like when i when they had jeter's final game at yankee stadium on a couple weeks ago i was like wow i'm not just watching like Derek's it bats like why am i so locked into the sixth inning of this game you know like i like i <laughs> yeah I was, I was like i was like i could just come back to uh you know jeter getting up in the ninth like i don't need you know i don't need to see <laughs> yeah. this uh random you know it bat from i can't even remember you know every player on that team but like yeah that was kind of a moment where i was like i realized wow i miss sports like i really miss sports um, and you know, there's just like, I mean, we were so involved with it, but like, there is something very real about turning on a game and being totally and completely immersed in that world for two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, whatever it ends oh, up yeah. being. And I, and I, I miss that, you know, I miss being totally immersed in the competition and, and feeling that, you know, real true feeling of escape. Yeah, it's crazy. Jake's been watching the old game. I haven't. I've just been binging shows like CC and Harky. I've just been watching anything that comes my way. I watched yeah. two full seasons of a show on Saturday. Been, you know <laughs> what? <laughs> Which show? Uh, well, I found out I have a free trial to Apple TV. Okay. So I watched Home Before Dark, which is like an okay. hour-long episodes, 10 episodes, and then I watched um, Mythic Quest, which is Rob from Always Sonny's new show. Okay. Com comedy about uh, video game director, producer. Company. How was it? I liked, I liked both. The, 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 yeah. the second one's only like half hour episodes, six, 
episode season or something like that. So real quick. And then the home yeah. before dark is this little cute girl who solves a murder, but it's like a mixture of a kid show and Ozark. Like it's very serious at times, but then oh, very little kid, but they pull it off. Very tricky. So oh, nice, man. I, so I had never seen Ozark before and we, Andrea and I watched, I think we've watched, we're, we're up to episode four of season three and we, I think we've done this just in a week, I think. Yeah. Wow, so we've that's been, crazy. we've, okay. we've been crushing. Maybe, wow. maybe it's, maybe it's two weeks, but we've been, we've been absolutely crushing and I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I think season three of Ozark's really good. I was, I was awesome. worried. I was like, uh oh, which is going to go, but I thought it was great. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. So far, four episodes in, I'm loving it. Um, and it's great. It's funny, like, because the one other thing we've been doing, like, when we need something lighter is rewatching One Tree Hill, which is one of my all time favorites. And it oh. just, like, puts me in a happy place of thinking about, like, high school summer, you know, like. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to cut up Ozark. Like, that just, it's so muted, the tone and, oh. like, the visuals. Are, like, dark. it's hard to binge. Yeah, it is. It's dark. It's funny because it's like, it's not as like overtly dark as maybe even like a Breaking Bad or or like you know or maybe like some of the the absolute like um, gratuitous gore in like a Game of Thrones or something. But there's something about Ozark that it's like it's like menacingly dark. You it know, like seeps like, India too after a while. Yeah, You're like, oh yeah God, but I love man. it. But I yeah, love it's it. Great. It's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, I think we'll we'll let you go. We kept you long enough. We thank you for joining us, oh, man. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thank you for having me. I love you both. I wish you <laughs> continued success. Thank you for continuing to generate content. Yeah. And you know what? Let's pray we get a baseball season at some point. Oh yeah. What what are your what's your That's guess great. right now? You think there's going to be a, any resemblance of a normal season, a completely wacky exhibition season, or no season at all? I honestly, I mean, I, I think what I hear from people is always this. We don't know. And, yeah. and I think that's and I think that's like the insider answer right now is like, we don't know, you know. So it's basically just like all of us reading whatever, you know, tea leaves and epidemiological graphs we're looking at, et cetera. You know, I personally, you know, it's interesting if you look at like the I um the IHME model, you know, that the Gates Foundation uh, does, it, that it, it assumes social distancing, full restrictions through the end of May. And with that, it has things really getting quieter in June, July, you know. So if we can all show the discipline through May, which I hope we do, you know, uh, you know be able to show that discipline if that's what we're being asked, I would think that like some things would open up in some way in the summer. You know, it just looks like it looks like even the models would suggest that is possible. Um, how that ends up manifesting, I don't know. But I, the way I look at it is this. One thing I feel really good about is I think that Major League Baseball is being very open minded about this. Right. And the only way you come up with a solution for how you can have this season is being open minded. What that ends up meaning, what iteration of creativity ends up being the one that's actually selected. Um, who knows? I don't think anybody knows, but I think the number one key is not having a fixed idea in your head of like, we can only have a season if it looks like this, Yeah. because this probably isn't going to exist. So it has to be more so open to whatever. And I think baseball has shown that willingness. And so that encourages me 
that they'll come up with whatever option is available uh, that just doesn't jeopardize health and safety, if there is one that is available. Yeah, I think it's going to be something weird. We actually, we know some people now within some buildings, and we yeah. we heard that that Cactus League and Grapefruit League was never once talked about ever. They're like, we don't know where that came from. That yeah. that is not See, real. That's the tough thing, right? Because you don't know when when anything could be possible right now. You don't know what is or isn't stimulated by actual conversations or just somebody conjuring it themselves, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, I don't know. What Do you guys have any definitive feeling on how, what you, do you have any predictions? Jake's the optimist and I'm the pessimist. And I don't think we'll get anything resembling a regular seat. Like, I think if we get anything, we're going to have to call it an exhibition season. And it's not going to be for a World Series because it's just going to be so different. And I think it's going to push us back a while until we actually have baseball. Because they're not going to be able to have fans for like a long but if time. It's, yeah. But if it's an exhibition, then I don't think they'll do it because all of a sudden you, yeah. you don't even like feel that's that's compelled to watch, you know, like it, exactly. And, then, and never mind compelled to watch. But, you know, Garrett Cole has got the million dollar arm. Like, why would why would he want to pitch in that? Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of where you're at. And I, the baseline is nobody knows. But I, I do believe, and it kind of is what you were saying before, how time has passed, and yet sometimes it feels like it hasn't, and sometimes it feels like we've been doing this for three months. And I, I don't know, when, when we originally started talking about this and we realized how severe it was, it was like, well, let's, let's see where we're at in June and July. So that's, <laughs> I'm kind of still there. Like, may, maybe things are better, maybe they're not. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, uh, I, I do turn the blind optimism and then I have a low moment where I watch college wrestling and I'm like, give, give me, give me something. Give me, I, I would love, I, I hope the NBA and, and I, I'm, I'm sure your answer would be pretty similar, but I, if they came up with something creative and, and found a way to, to do it because they, they have the least amount of players and things like that, if, yeah. if they could figure something out that, that would be incredible. Even this, this was my shower thought the other day, and these are becoming a, a trend for Jimmy. He's finding out. Um, is that, man, what what if they just said, hey, the regular season stands as is and Bucks Lakers finals? Like, <laughs> isol- isolate the guys for a couple weeks and let it rip? I don't know. I don't, man, I, I feel like <laughs> you're going to have to have a, an entire playoff, but I do think yeah. there's. You know, they're in a little easier situation maybe to be creative because it's less players, and they've also had such a huge portion of their regular season already played, right? So there are maybe some considerations to why you'd want to play a certain amount of regular season games, but, like, if they had to, they could start the playoffs as is, and you would still feel satisfied with what's happened in the regular season, you know? So yeah, that... You know, I, I keep wondering, could you have like some sort of medical tent uh, set up at every stadium or arena where every single person who enters it has to get tested each day? You know, if rapid testing is available at that point. Right. And imagine if that's like, the new norm, like how yeah. security after 9-11. Now it's the new norm. Like imagine if we had disease testing before every right? big event. Yeah. I know. That'd I know. Until you have a vaccine, you know, if that's the answer and it's, you know, readily available without compromising uh, the resources um, needed throughout the country, then I don't know, maybe that's the answer. You know, maybe yeah. that's the way to do it. 
it's weird. I do feel encouraged that I think I think the sports are being very, very open-minded and creative, and I think they'll need to be, and that makes me feel good. And I also know that they're not going to do anything uh, that risks health and safety. So it's like, okay, what under that prism becomes uh, a realistic option? We'll see what that is. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, and it's not up to anyone right now, you know? That's the, the wild thing. Yeah. Nope. Like, everyone's nope. going to wait. It's no not. one knows anything. I, I've got one more, one more, and I, I swear it's one more. And I, I <laughs> No, no problem, man. Like no problem. One. I uh, I moved to New York City. Uh, good timing. Yeah, um, seriously. Welcome. But I'm all open for any food wrecks, uh, whether delivery or not. I know I know we're supposed to be doing that, so I don't know if you, you've got anything you're hyping or if you've got anything kind yeah. of Upper East Side-ish area. Give, give me the goods. I know you know. Mm. So I used to live Upper East Side, actually. Uh, okay. Now I live downtown, but I, but so, um, but uh, I, well, when everything reopens, you got to go to my favorite restaurant, Mark Borgione in Tribeca. That it's amazing. They're okay. closed right now, but one of their, uh, one of Mark's like sister restaurants, Keo, K-H-E-Y-O is doing delivery. I don't know if they're doing it all the way to Upper East, but they might be. And it is fantastic. Great. Carbone is doing delivery, which is amazing. They're incredible. Uh, Prince Street Pizza is doing delivery, but I don't think all the way up there. Um, Joe's Pizza, I think, is doing delivery, Okay, which Joe's is great. Upper East Side, what did I love? You know what I would see is Sojourn doing food right now. Sojourn is on 79th and 2nd. Great spot. Fantastic food. Should see if they're uh, if they're doing any delivery right now. That would be a spot I would highly recommend up there. That's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, got him. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I will say, when it comes to, and I'm just giving you a little snippet because obviously we don't know what's open, what's not right now. But when it comes to New York food scene, I feel strong. Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. I, I mean, Ruko, you know, I yeah. get the hand. I get exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. You, you understand. <laughs> perfect. Uh, thank you, man. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. Back to back. <laughs> belly to belly. That was Ryan Rucco, our dear friend. He told us that he loved us. We love him, too. Very nice conversation. Head looks great. Bald. Does. It does. Pulls it off nice. Should I shave it? No, I don't think you could. It's not good. Peanut head, and I think it's bumpy. That yeah, can't be need, good. I think you need to go afro. Okay. Or just do what you're doing. It's good. It works. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back. Uh, voicemails on Friday's show. We'll record Thursday Leave night. Leave them. Leave a voicemail on Wednesday or Thursday, 908-845-5792. Call in. Leave a voicemail. We appreciate it. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, they match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch anytime, no additional charge. So, 
Celebrate the progress that you've already made by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Yanks today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Yanks. 